It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. I think we've got a great show lined up for you today with Tucson Means Business, of course, brought to us proudly by the 49ers Golf and Country Club and their wonderful hidden jewel in the desert of the Rincon Grill. And don't forget, it's open to the public, all right? It's not a private uh, members club here. The public may go and enjoy for weddings, uh, bar mitzvahs, fiestas of all sorts. They've got wonderful rooms, and you'll hear about that a little bit later on in the show. And, of course, we're broadcasting live here from the Stuart Title Studio on Broadway, Stuart Title and Trust, one of America's most trusted people in business. And my guest today is Bob Ditko from Stuart Title. Hi, How Bob. You doing? We've got Mr. Bo Barger. Hi, Bo. Hello, Mark. Bo, today our theme is going to be on business brokers and business in general. And uh, Brian uh, Vitagliano. Hey, Mark. Hi, Brian. Welcome. Good. Thank you for coming. Well, I was speaking this morning to the... Uh, uh, the lady that um, uh, represents the Bank of America all across America on TV and radio shows and interviews and what have you, and she was exceptionally um, high-spirited in reference to the, 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 the outlook for 2020 from the small business point of view. And I thought it was just appropriate for today that we were doing this show, which is great, because after all, with the backbone of small business, the backbone of America, and you guys are, you know, you're in the front uh, front row of it. And it's always fascinated me. I mean, I've been in business myself, but you are business brokers. That's unique. You're not just, you know, you specialize in something that you do. Now, Brian, as an example with you, you, you've had successful careers, though, in sports, service, and healthcare sectors, and you graduated with a Bachelor of Science with honors in marketing and a Master of Arts in kinesiology from the University of Maryland. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. a little bit of a uh, mixture there. Right, right. Had a little bit of a different path and to, to where I am now. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. And, well, so what, what is a Master of Business Administration with an entrepreneurial concentration from the University of Delaware. What is that exactly? Absolutely. So it's a, a postgraduate degree. And, and at that stage, I was actually, I was coaching at the University of Maryland. And I realized that there was uh, something more to be had than, than coaching the college soccer team there. And I pursued that, the, the master's in business administration. I always knew that I wanted to run my own business. And so I took the track in the entrepreneurial spirit. Okay. And so it really is just Engaging and, and that was a great program that uh, ingrained us into active businesses and some mergers and acquisitions work and that really, really prepared me for kind of the, the career that I am now. There you go. That was early too. So really, after years of work later on in the sports and recreation industry, uh, you returned home to Arizona and subsequently earned a doctorate of physical therapy from uh, Northern Arizona Uni. Absolutely. And are you? Yeah. Uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Couldn't resist a good idea. So where were you in your mind, uh, Brian? I mean, it seems you weren't sure where you really wanted to go with your career in that early stage. Right. Well, I think it was a, it was a timing of what was going on in the economy at the time as well. So I knew that I wanted to be back home in Arizona, where I was born and raised, and all of my family was. And after I completed my MBA, I came out here and uh, I had visions of, of starting a multidisciplinary training facility for young kids, right? Mm. And, and that was right around 2010, the end of 2010. The economy wasn't great. Getting funding for, for that was not there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I needed to, to have some money. And I just decided, you know what? I had a passion for helping people in service. And at that point, I decided to retool and go back to school and get my doctorate in physical therapy. And then I began to work that. I was out there 
running a practice, uh, my own concierge practice, uh, mm-hmm. as well as working in the clinic. And I just realized that, you know, I the mergers and acquisitions side to what I was doing prior, I really had a passion for. And the lead broker in our group, Strategic Business Brokers Group, has has been in the industry for over 10 years. And I started to lean on him about opportunities outside of what I was doing that in line with my M&A right, kind of right. interest. So you never really know where it's going to come from, do you? You don't. Life no. has got its funny uh, right, way right. of uh, you know coming in through different doors at different times. Uh, Bo Barger, I mean, he's been a licensed business broker with Tucson Business Investments. This goes back to 2005, Bo. Right. Uh, and becoming vice president of the firm in 2012. It only took you seven years. What, yeah, kept, right. what kept you, mate? And it, well, you know, had to buy out a previous partner, so that kind of stuff, you know. Right. Okay. Uh, you're a native Tucson. Yes. And uh, in fact, you were named Business Broker of the Year by the Arizona Business Brokers Association in 2011, becoming the youngest broker ever to receive that honor in the association's history. Sounds kind of funny, but yeah, it's uh, Very true. Very good. Congrats. Good on you. You still look pretty young, too. I mean, uh, you know, you shaved, do you? Yeah, yeah I shaved everything. <laughs> Just for you. Yeah, thank you. In fact, you, uh, you ended up being the last broker in Southern Arizona to receive the Business Broker of the Year Award. I mean, did that classification get dropped for some reason, Bo, do you know of? Or? No, it's one of those things where it's uh, we have a large uh, group, uh, the AZBBA, we call it, you know, encompasses the whole state, the central chapter and the southern chapter. Used to have a northern chapter, but that went away a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those where we just haven't given it out since uh, since 2011 for some hmm. reason. So, Well, you currently hold two of the business brokerage industry's highest professional designations. One is the certified business broker from the AZ. BBA, and accredited business intermediary from the American Business Brokers Association. Uh, they must help your business. Yeah, they do. It's uh, just being able to work with colleagues, uh, you know, and share ideas, share, you know, different things. It's, a, it's always a help. A lot of education involved, uh, a lot of continu- continuing education. So mm-hmm. that, that's ongoing. Well, I mean, uh, I guess with nearly 15 years in the business brokerage industry uh, and having successfully sold just about every type of business located in southern Arizona, um, I looked at your list there with your site. I mean, CPA firms, IT businesses to large manufacturing, distribution and service companies. You could tell a few stories, I bet. Yeah, we've sold just about everything. Can't really, uh, you know... uh just pick one little category to do it in Southern Arizona. You've really got to be able to sell every type of business. And it's fun. You get to learn about lots of different industries. Well, you know, I mean, it's an interesting business because whereas a realtor selling a house, a house is a house is a house, okay? We'll be in a commercial building. Uh, I had a brokerage at one stage in my life. I've been a licensed realtor at another stage in my life. Uh, from a point of view of um, looking at businesses, I never really delved heavily into it from your side of selling them, but I've been in enough of my own. But there's a lot more to it than meets the eye because you really have to look after your clients from a point of view of making sure that it's for them and that the numbers add up, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, give us an idea of, uh, of of what you go into if someone says, well, Bo, I'm looking for this or I'm looking for that. How do you address that with them? Yeah, sure. And it depends which, which side we're working for. If it's, a, if it's a buyer side, you know, really kind of find out what they're interests are what their background is you know what they're looking for some people want something completely different than what they've been doing whether it's a corporate world and they want something you know small and independent mm-hmm. whether they've you know got a background in restaurants and they'll say i want anything except a restaurant i'm never getting in the food business again <laughs> uh, most buyers usually don't know what they uh, want till we till we show it to them interesting 
Yeah, well, you do hear that story, you know. Uh, it takes a lot of guts to be a restauranter, make a living, make a profit, and want to stay in the thing, doesn't it? Yep. Tell you what. Now, being a licensed real estate agent, Bo, uh, experienced in the sales and leasing of various types of commercial, retail, and industrial properties. Do you have a leaning towards uh, one or another? No, it mainly has to do with with our clients when they when they own a own a property. Uh, most of our clients probably lease, you know, probably just like Brian have a lease space. But about twenty five percent own their own building, so we you know we can also sell that for them, lease it for them, um, you know, sell other properties they have, that sort of thing. Interesting, twenty five percent with their own buildings. Yep. Hmm. You served two terms as the president of the Arizona Business Brokers Association in 2012 and 13, and you've also served as chairman of the AZBBA Education Committee. Uh, tell us about that particular association, if you would. It's uh, It's been around in one form or another from uh, oh, the mid, uh, mid-80s. mid um, Actually, we formed several years ago, merged the Valley Board in Phoenix with our uh, AABB association down here. Uh, to form a state group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been heavily involved in that. Um, they've got, oh, quite a few more members up in Phoenix than we do down here. We've got about 20 or so uh, in Tucson, but they've got about uh, probably 50, you know, in, in the Phoenix area. And so, do, you, do you meet sort of once a year or something? And, and... Uh, we, we do sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. We used to have a conference every year, but uh, been kind of uh, every other year for a while. Okay. 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 Yeah. I would imagine that'd be fun. You know, you, you guys comparing stories and ke- keeping up with the latest legislation too. That's the other thing. Exactly. Yeah. That's part of the reason we formed the state group to be able to work for legislative purposes. So what does the position of state school administrator then uh, entail? I mean, uh, is it a big job, heavy job? No, not, uh, not too heavy, thankfully, but it's, uh, we have our own school, the uh, Arizona, uh, Business Brokers Association School of Real Estate and Business Brokerage formed through the Department of Real Estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can put on our own uh, continuing education classes. Um, we can get real estate credit for them because we all have uh, real estate licenses like like uh, Brian does, I'm sure. Um, so we formed our own school and I've been in charge of the school now for, gosh, nine, nine plus years, something like that. Wow. Good job. Well, credit where it's due, uh, Bo, the youngest broker ever elected or appointed to any of these positions in Arizona. And then you became a certified real estate instructor. As if that wasn't enough, you're hungry, aren't you? The Arizona Department of Real Estate back in 2015. Do you believe all these accolades help your business? Yeah, I think so. I think the more, uh, you know, education obviously is a big, big thing. The more you learn, you know, the better you can help your clients and know the market and and just to, you know, be able to service uh, who you're working for. Well, I think um, clients rely on you, don't they? Oh, yes. Yeah. They've got to be able to look up to you, right? Yep. They've got to be able to trust you and, uh, you know. Yeah. Whereas this next fella, I mean, he, he was born and raised in Tucson, and every time he's tried to leave, the truck breaks down. You know, that's Bobby Ditko. How are you going, dude? Not too bad. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, Stuart Titles, National Title and Escrow Services. You've been with them how long now? I've going on 13 years. There you go. They've all become a part of who you are, haven't they, mate? Oh, yeah. You uh, have a very important role here. Uh, Our studio, of course, is in Stuart Title in the corporate offices on Broadway. But I'm always noticing hundreds of realtors coming into their beautiful uh, auditorium that they've got in reference to training. And this is what Bob does a lot. He's vice president of social media, plus a lot of other things now you're teaching too, aren't you? Whatever they want me to do that day. You're hands-on all the time with them. But you spend a lot of your time in the field. As much as I possibly can. So you always know what's going on. New businesses coming to town often before anybody else does. 
factories, companies considering where to build, what to do. So therefore, you're always abreast of the roads, the changes, things going on. I would have thought that, gee, you know what? You really uh, could be interesting to be working with these guys in uh, in the business industry. I'm surprised we haven't met before. You know, yeah, this is a small town too, too. That does surprise me a little bit. You put yourself through college. I did. And rodeoed in young years. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Rodeoed or rodeoed? It depends on what side of the <laughs> yeah, Mississippi you're on. Right, because 13,000 miles from here, we call it a rodeo, <laughs> not a rodeo. Rodeo? I forget now. God, I've been here so long. You're a past president of uh, BIC. Beck, yeah. And past board member of the March of Dimes. Right. Okay, and we'll share those two with us. A lot of people don't know what they are. The March of Dimes, when it started out, it was every dime that came in was for polio and back in the 1930s and 40s. And mm-hmm. when it was done with there, they decided they were looking for different ideas and different programs, so they started going after um, preemies, preemie babies. Okay. My daughter was a preemie, so when Julie was born, she was four pounds, three ounces, and she dropped down to three pounds, Ooh. nine ounces. Right. And if it wasn't for the March of Dimes at the time, helping us out as much as we possibly could, including just coming in and sitting down with us and letting them know that things are going to be fine. It's going to take a month or two and right. have your baby at home. I would have never gotten involved. But mm-hmm. as much as they came in and did some encouragement, even though we didn't need any financial help, we just needed that person to answer the questions or the person to let you go home and sleep so you can come back. And, right. and, and Hank, it worked out. So we got on the board. My daughter spoke in the March of Dimes and um, – for the signature chef auction, I think it was 2014. We raised seventy-eight thousand dollars that year. She was the ambassador, wow. so she got up and spoke in front of three. And is that people. Chloe? That's Julia. That's Julia. I don't have a Chloe, but it, well, who knows? The '80s was really good to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a possibility. Well, I do know you have a dog called Batman. Yeah. But, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Runs around with a red cape on or black cape on. You love to visit uh, rodeos, rodeos. I still do it. I still camp. You love camping, country yeah. concerts, barbecues, and building furniture. And you like writing too. What do you write about? Well, I I've written two books. The third one is pretty much could be a novel. It's something different. But the first two I wrote a lot of short stories, a lot of just things that are happening as a as a single father and as, mm-hmm. as a cowboy. So it's a cowboy life. If Yeah, man, single father and a cowboy. Pretty much. It kept my feet grounded in order to raise my daughter. She's 19 years old now. Great personality. She's got a her certificate as a bed assistant to the JTIP program here in Tucson. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at trying to join that board down the line. Well, your role here at Stuart Title is diverse, okay? I mean, you love doing what you do. I mean, radio, public speaking. Uh, you bring in commercial and residential business to Stuart Title. Yeah. Uh, you're out there, you know, bashing the pavement every day, meeting uh, business guys and talking to them. Southern Arizona growth, motivational marketing, creative marketing, apps and social networking for realtors and lenders. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of the stuff that you teach. Right. What have you noticed in their world, our guests today and Brian and, and Bo, that's going on out there? We had a we have a commercial it's a commercial round table every second and fourth Thursday of the month. So this morning I'm sitting down listening to what the guys haves and wants are. It'd be a great idea for you guys to come down and sit if you guys want at any given time and tell them what your wants and needs are too. And we're noticing that we've got a lot more growth going on right now, southwest and southeast. More southeast than anything else, southwest is starting to pick up right now when it comes to retail and office space. Now up in Marana, as soon as Marana gets a couple of um, red tape versions away from them, Marana and I-10 is going to be growing. And once that happens, then you're going to start seeing the Marana area take off and run again too. 
So what are you guys looking for in business wise? What do you, what do you, how many business do you have right now for sale? And how many people do you think you guys see a year come in looking for business? Yeah, I mean, speaking for us, I've, I mean, and if Bo can share this, I feel like there are there are many more buyers than the and number sellers. of really qualified businesses and attractive okay. businesses. I mean, shortage of buyers, we just don't see that. I mean, they're they're out there and they're active and looking. It's just finding those the businesses that make sense. That once you uh, kind of so you're, you're, you're genuinely then really trying to match them. Right. Absolutely. That's that's what it sounds like to me. It's it's much more of a relationship game right. than okay. than any other kind of commercial or residential um, yeah. play on it because there's a transition period in most cases where you're not just handing the keys over and and bidding a good a goodbye. Right. 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 But there is their employees, their lives, there's there's the what you purchased uh-huh. is the active body of the business. Mm-hmm. And okay. you want to make sure it continues excuse me, continues to move forward in the same capacity, if not better, right. from what you acquired it. So there is that transition that's important. Do you guys market for businesses on the on the market? You say we've got buyers who want to buy certain kinds of businesses. Are you looking to sell? Yeah, we definitely, we have some buyers who vary your industry specific, you know, okay. looking for a particular uh, manufacturing type of industry or that sort of thing. And then other buyers just honestly don't know what they want. They just want to own their own business. Want to get into you know, a business. Want to get out. Yeah. Tired yeah. of working for the man. I'm tired of working for whoever they're working for and be their own boss for a while. <laughs> if you're listening and that's you, hey, take some notes. Listen, Brian. Brian, um, now your company, the Independent or Strategic Business Brokers Group. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, your background, I mean, you specialize in service-based businesses for those in the healthcare industry to restaurants and bars. Is that right? That's right. That's okay. right. Okay. I'm researching your site. I noticed there were three of you. Yep. Is that correct? That's correct. A good-looking bird there. She runs uh, the bars and old salons, yeah, the, salons the salons and the restaurants Christy, and so yep, on. Christy Spiro. Yeah, you could have said her, mate. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for coming. I appreciate that. So do you divvy this up? I mean, this is your section. That's her section. The other fellow, Brian Bondi, is that's his section? Right, right. right. So Brian Bond, who you refer to. Yeah, we, are, we, we work pretty collaboratively. And because there are so many niches out there, markets, we can specialize, but... I mean, Brian has built uh, the Strategic Business Brokers Group from the beginning, doing every kind of business. Mm-hmm. And so, much to Bo. Now, this is based where? In, in, in Phoenix or here? So, we have a, uh, a location and based in Tucson, but mm-hmm. the main our main base is in Scottsdale. And where did Brian Bond build it from? Tucson? Scottsdale. From Scottsdale? From Scottsdale. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's open this here. So, what yep. about yourself? I mean, you, you work pretty busy hours, right? Absolutely. It's all around. You've got to be available, haven't you, 24-7, really? You're, okay. You really do. And yeah. and that's so. What do you do when you're not selling? What do you like doing out of the business? You know, what 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 do you like doing with your spare time? Right, right, absolutely. So I have uh, I have two young boys, a uh, third on the way. I, I I love being with them. So I'm a family guy. That's why I came back. And that's Lucas and Sebastian. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. your wife's name Amanda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Very it's good. uh it's it's a lot of fun, and I enjoy uh, working out, exercising, and yeah. and playing soccer. So soccer's still in my blood. Okay. Like, yeah. So Brian Bond is the is the guy that actually started the thing. Right, back in when? So that was back in 2011, Okay, I'd say. On a rough, rough, yeah, rough guesstimate there. And, and he was working for another group prior before was going he? out on his own. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, with the design is just to, to provide a better service to the client. And you recognize some some holes in, in how really business transactions are being treated across the board and really designed to, yeah, the, the so, so it's not a private, um, I'm trying to get the fact that it's a group and you're individuals, you're all brokers, okay, Correct. and you work together as a group per se. It's not, it's not like one company. 
Right. And so with being a, uh, a business broker in Arizona, you have to be a licensed real estate agent. Uh, and so we hang our license with American Realty brokers and within that in the market we're recognized as strategic business brokers okay group. so that's how you can you hang your license with and then you wait from Correct. there and go from Correct. there um do you ever get queried by the potential buyer or or seller of the business that uh how do i say this that, that you're seen as mainstream still you know i mean uh, uh independent brokers right 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 and and so no, I mean, I think a lot of them that, that that come, they may not know what they don't know. So they're often searching through yeah. social media, Google, and mm-hmm. then word of mouth. We get a lot of a lot of business through word of mouth. After you sell a good business and you treat the client right, right. oftentimes business owners, no business owners. Right, yep. so right. And, and if you treat them right, then that's how. Well, I was going to say, comes. surely yours is a business where if you've looked after them and they're happy and you've done a good job, they're going to refer you, aren't they? Right, absolutely. Do you still go visit them, follow up, see them, go and have a lunch occasionally? Or? We do, yeah. yeah. I like yeah. to follow up and Christmas cards and just touch base. All that jazz because yeah. if he wants to sell it again, absolutely, you want to be the one. to be. I'd be upset if someone else was selling that business, <laughs> yeah. I tell you. Right. Bo, you make a strong claim on your site that since 1982 – Tucson Business Investments has been the most successful business brokerage firm in Tucson, in fact, for Southern Arizona. Uh, Your team of licensed agents have sold more businesses than anyone else in the Tucson metro area and Pima County. Let's say I'm a potential buyer and I read that. How can you justify that there's some sort of – I mean, is there a record kept with reference to business brokerage's results or is it just marketing? Luckily, there's, or I guess, unfortunately, there's no, uh, you know, website you can go to with a scorecard or anything, which which would be handy. But uh, no, we've sold close to a, or a little over 700 businesses uh, since 1982. Since 82. Yep, since 82. Okay. So, which is more than uh, anybody else, anyone else has sold in uh, in Pima County. Mm-hmm. Um, not just since 82, but you know, since, since forever, since right. business brokerage started. So, right. um, you know, we've uh, we've been real successful at it for a, for a long time. Um, something that. Uh, we're going to keep doing. We're almost forty years of business now. So, right. You know, and really, just we do some work in Phoenix, but really, we're just we're pretty much ninety nine percent Southern Arizona, you know, Tucson area. Mm-hmm. Now, your dad, uh, he's the CEO. He's the he's the designated broker. He uh, he owns the firm mm-hmm. uh, along with me. I'm a I'm a partner. So. Okay, and uh, he he kicked it off probably before you were born, right? Uh, he actually is the uh, the second owner. The firm was started in '82, uh, which uh-huh. I, I wasn't quite uh, ready to to get into it yet uh, in '82. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, uh, Cliff Bergstrom started the firm back then. Uh, my father uh, owned a jewelry store here in town, uh, sold those and was looking for a business to buy. Uh, started meeting with business brokers. Instead of finding a good business, he ended up getting some job offers. Right. Uh, went to work at Tucson Business Investments with the idea of uh, buying out the original owner in three years, right. uh, which he did. And then uh, I came on board several years after that. Very good. He sounds like a smart businessman you had. Yep. Uh, let's talk about uh, how to prepare a business for sale. When do you start planning the, you know, your exit strategy? It, it's never too early to, to start planning. Uh, you know, there's some things that are kind of general business practices that are a good idea, like have real clear, accurate books and records, which, you know, would seem, uh, seem logical, but uh, I'm sure Brian has stories. 
Not always the case. No. Uh, you get some people and it's on the back of a cocktail napkin or, you know, sometimes you're lucky if you get that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, back of a cocktail napkin. <laughs> it's, Take uh, it or leave it. That's what it's worth. Yeah, that's, here, here's what it is. You know, here's my sales. I think they were about this much for uh, 10 years ago. And there you go. But uh, so, of course, that it's important to have a good uh, CPA. Make right. sure everything's up to date. Make sure your taxes are paid. Uh, have a good idea of your equipment, your right, employees. Right, right. No lean on the business. Well, right. I mean, we're talking housing where, okay, you'd advise them maybe to paint, fix this, fix that, clean up the garden, do this, do that. When it comes to a business, I mean, surely the heart and soul of it is the real monies, the real turnover, sure. what I really took, not under the counter, right, as yeah, they right. say, which we're going to try and figure what that means in a minute. But, <laughs> um, you know, what are the main things you you have to drive them nuts with? What what do you have to push them with? Well, the of course it all starts with the with the cash flow. You know that that's a big part of it, and then the type of industry that it's in. But besides that, it's uh, you know what is the owner's role? What is the uh, buyer going to? What do they see themselves doing going forward? What are they going to be interested in? You know, filling the owner's shoes. Uh, hopefully, it's not an owner who is the business as it you know it goes home with them every night because they're a hundred percent of it. Uh, you know, diversify as much as you can is always thing. You don't want 90% of your sales coming from one customer. Uh, you know, you don't want to uh, have relationships with every single client where if the owner leaves, they're going to call somebody else. You know, right. you want other guys in the company right. that can handle some of the load. That's what buyers are looking for. So what is your overall process then of selling a business? What are the, what are the first 10 steps? Yeah, sure. Selling a business uh, really starts with, uh, you know, I got a call yesterday. Somebody wanted to sell. The first process is, Meeting with them in person, mm-hmm. learning about them and the business. Uh, not only you know what they do, but uh, you know what the seller's role is. Is there a spouse involved? Other family? How many employees? Mm-hmm. Um, you know the growth trend. All that goes into evaluating the business. The um, uh, the next step is really you know coming up with a with an appraisal of the, of the business. How do you do that? Well, it's uh, if they own the building, that's another story. Yeah, because yeah, we're the building's, talking the real building's a whole other whole other deal. Which they don't own the building, but they've been there a few years, and they're turning over a you know pretty good turnover, and uh, they're in a business that's got a future. How do you appraise it? it? It's one of those where there's no easy formula for for it. Uh, there could be two businesses, even of the same industry, both making say hundred thousand dollars profit, but they could have uh, different values depending right. on is one going up, one going down. Uh, you know, is the one owner working 80 hours a week? The other one's working 10 hours a week. Uh, so it's know. based on a business plan and maybe even a marketing plan? Y- yeah, it's just really the whole picture of the business. Okay. Uh, you know, how organized are they? Uh, you know, is everything, uh, how does it, you know, look actually physically sometimes is important. When you bring a buyer, can they see themselves sitting in that chair doing what the, uh, you know, what the seller is doing? Um, you know, it's not like a house, you know, like Brian was saying, where, you know, you just hand over the keys there's a transition period. You have to be able to, they don't have to be best friends, but you have to be able to work together for a month, a couple months, you know, really make sure everything flows smooth. And So do you encourage that? Uh, do you do, to Brian, do you, do you encourage the potential new owner, you know, working with the guy before it's sold or before it's a handover or? Well, we, we set the expectation yeah. with, with the seller from the beginning. And in that initial consultation, as, as Bo mentioned, mm-hmm. the conversation is, what are you willing to do as far as a training and transition period? Okay. And, and just All managing right. their expectations because, I mean, I ask them to put themselves in the buyer's shoes. Mm-hmm. If this is something completely new for them and they're paying you, quote unquote, top dollar or something you feel that, that is worth your business, right. wouldn't you want some support? 
and managing that. And oftentimes they're always like, yep, whatever works, I'm happy to stay on. And then we just manage that, that expectation so okay. that we're not uh, overstepping, right? Uh, sometimes sellers like, I'm willing to stay six months, a year. I'm like, well, okay. How well, does we'll something see. like and that? So I never want to leave. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> How does that work? Um, from a financial point of view, yeah, do you, does the person like pay a wage or something, or does it come out of the profits? How does it work? Right, it's a it's you part know, of a, the new, a new buyer says, "Look, I, I'm going to stick for six months. I really want to know this business before you leave me alone." Right. Has he bought the business prior now? So that's part of it in our process. That would be spelled out in a letter of intent. Okay. which is the first step to really come into offer and acceptance. Okay. And then that begins kind of the normal escrow where a down, an earnest deposit will be will be sent over, held at escrow, and that begins the due diligence process that now we will start to get all of the due diligence items, the financials, the tax returns, everything to reconcile the books mm-hmm. from the seller. Mm-hmm. But in that letter of intent, we have spelled out a training and transition period, not to specific hours per day, but right. a period. That they're willing to do. And generally, it's uh, for non-compensation. It's what are you willing to do because we've agreed on this price for the business. Right, right. So you've agreed on a price because I was going to ask how how our business is actually priced. But what would scare me there is is that four months later, he or she doesn't want the business anymore. They've realized it's not for them. That's great. Call us up. We'll yep. sell it again. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That it's was a- Bo Barger, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you- yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> How do you pre-qualify a buyer? Absolutely. No, good question. So in, in our process, I have a phone conversation with every inquiring party. Okay. And, and the first initial ask is, what do you have liquid to put down in a business today? And oftentimes you get the, I've got enough. I've got it. Or I have the lender. And we just try to constantly get a a hard figure. Just give me, we need to know. It's not going to affect how this deal goes down and how Mm. the negotiations are. But it's like a house. If you do not have the money and you're not approved for the loan of a house of 600,000, why are we looking at that? Mm -hmm. And the same for the sellers. And it's even more uh, important that the confidentiality of that business is protected for the seller. I mean, we're not putting signs and windows. We're not right. publicly announcing that a business is being sold for those reasons. So it's really important that we, we vet the buyer that way. And right. then we can also, as we move down into after a letter of intent has been executed, there's a request for proof of funds. Okay. When we come back, I want to ask uh, both of you, Bo, Brian, have you come across the experience of when you've sold a business, what it means to the staff? How many staff, the concerns, are they staying, are they not staying, how they meet the new owner, all that type of thing. It's Tucson Means Business with Mark Bishop. We'll be back in just a sec. Well, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Tucson Means Business. And, of course, we're very grateful and very proud to have as our sponsor the 49ers Golf and Country Club, an icon tradition here in wonderful Tucson, Arizona. And my particular guest today from the 49ers is the Director of Membership and Tournaments, and his name is Casey Polivchak. Hi, Casey. Hey, Mark. How's it going today? It's going well. Thank you very much. I want to talk about memberships. A lot of talk uh, about golf clubs going down and people not playing again. And we're increasing. What's happening there? You know, the club over the last seven years has just really made a nice big increase in uh, in membership. It's been steady, but if you look at our numbers, you know, year over year, we're definitely on the uh, on the climb. Is there anything specific that you can uh, point the finger at for that? Do you think? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we've got a new owner, and he came in and he's just revitalized the club. Um, the club was on the verge of uh, going bankrupt or closing uh, when the new owner stepped in, and he's just continued to invest in the in the club, the facilities, the golf course, uh, the restaurant, and he's just a uh, just a bit of a blessing for the the neighborhood, the community. But definitely the uh, the members of 49er Country Club. Well, it's quite unique. It's a beautiful course with trees everywhere for shade. And of course, a lot of people think in the desert. I mean, this particular show goes all over the place, so you never know who's going to hear it uh, or which country for that matter. But should they be visiting Arizona? And uh, I've heard a lot about the 49ers Golf and Country Club. It's easy to find. It's on uh, Tankaverde Road heading east out of town. Anybody can point that way. GPS can get it. Not a problem. It's about 12,000. And you can see it because of the entry gates. Very nice entry gates there. And you'll see the club on your left, which is the Rincon Mountain Grill, as you go into the actual golf club. And then you'll find the pro shop and so on. So it's easy to find from that point of view. What would you say to visitors? We do have a lot of visitors, don't we, from the Midwest, from the North, uh, the colder climates and so on, as we call friendly our snowbirds. Mm -hmm. What would you um, say to them about if they haven't been to the 49ers yet? Okay, so 49er, I would liken it to a Midwestern-style golf course because of the tree-lined fairways. Um, when we get our snowbirds in, if they're coming out for a you know, a golf trip, a lot of times I recommend they come play 49er if it's a warm-up round, if they haven't played for you know a couple months because of the snow on the ground. Um, you know, the, the thing about it is it's tucked into the corner of the mountains out there. That's what Rincon means All right. um, in the corner. Uh, but the golf course is, uh, it is. It's more traditional tree-lined fairways, um, elevated tees, elevated greens. Um, it's, a, it's a great golf course to play. It's, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to... Uh, and, you know, have a bunch of huge forced carryovers, desert and cactus. And mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's not what one thinks. No, it's not for the but desert. Yeah, you got to keep it straight. <laughs> It'll challenge you that way. You got to keep it straight. And of course, if you, you know, if, if it talks your cork at the moment, simply go to the 49ers website, which is 49ercc.com. That's spelled out F-O-R-T-Y-N-I-N-E-R-C-C.com. There you go. Okay, so do that. There's some lovely photographs, great stories to look at, and it'll give you everything about the club. You can't, uh, you can't fail. All right? We're going to be back with Casey another time. You're listening to Tucson Means Business. I asked the question before the break. We had, uh, I mean... I've been in a situation where you notice these new bots running around the CEO's office and there's a bit of a buzz, but it's not quite sure. Oh, the business has been sold. Oh, no, there goes my job. What do you do, Bo? What have you experienced over the years? How do people come to you and say, have you sold us out? What's what's going on? You know, Sometimes uh, when people hear a business is for sale or being sold, they immediately think the worst for some reason when, you know, in reality, most businesses will sell at some point. Uh, it's much better to have a place that you're working at sell than the owner just retire and say, thanks, I'm going to close it. <laughs> and the, the thing that most employees don't uh, realize right away is that really they're worth more to the new owner than they were to the previous owner. Right. Because the new owner usually doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> you know, they're almost, uh, you know, uh, training the new owner along with the previous seller on the day-to-day operations, what everybody's role is and, right. and what they do. Yeah. So the, he really is very, he or she really is very dependent on the employees and the staff to keep performing the way that they have been. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense, I would mm-hmm. think, Brian, because uh, it costs money to try and find somebody and train. 
Absolutely. All Absolutely. over again. Yep. You know. Yep. So, and that 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 training and transitions discussed, right? And how how the staff is being made aware of the new owner and how that mm-hmm. how that transition occurs, whether it's we have we have been sold. This is your new owner. Mm-hmm. You know, meet Mark. We don't or, like him already. We right. don't like him. Or it's, you're, you're bringing on a manager. You're bringing on a manager. All right, yeah. And, yeah. and transitioning. I guess way. it's hard if it's been a mom and pop for years, right? I right. mean, right. The, the, the heart and soul of the right. darn blazers, the daughter and the son and the this and the that, and maybe one other, she's been there, God love her, you know, does everything. Um, the new guy says, I've got a cut. I'm sorry. I've, uh, I have to, you know, there's not enough profit there. I have to drop some people. I'm, I'm terribly sorry about it. I mean, I would hate to be in a situation like that. Have you seen that, Bob, in your travels? I mean, yeah, Cody's Beef and Beans is a good example. They turned around and sold out just recently, and the two owners that came in, Dean and William, both of them came in, walked in, took their time, relaxed, got to know everybody there, told them it's going to be an easy transition. We're not making changes in what we're doing right away. We're not getting rid of people. We're going to turn around and work it with you guys for, like you say, a couple months, figure out how it's going to be. We're going to tell you what we want to do, and then when we buy it, We'll turn around and change a couple of things maybe on the menu, but why turn around and mess up the atmosphere we just were excited about taking? Yeah. We actually handled that sale. Did you? Mm-hmm. Ah, small See? world. Yep. Good guys. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, good buyers, good sellers, everything. And did yeah. they do that? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Everything was, was smooth. It's usually they don't want to change anything for, you know, sometimes they never change anything. Right. I've had businesses where you go in there five years later and you couldn't tell there's a new owner at all. Right. Others will, you know, at least six months. You know, let it go. Yeah. You know, until they start making any changes, really. I guess. I guess this is where Bob, that big old cliche, sticks its head through the wall. Why reinvent the wheel? Exactly. You know, no I'm buying a darn business that's so good. I want the thing. It's showing good profit, but you might see one or two little things you'd like to change that you know is an improvement. Everybody's going to change it just a little to there, so they give it the flair that they want to have. Want it. It, right. And also show. Sometimes it's a show who's in charge and and what we expect, but also. You see a lot of managers these days and owners become just the leaders. Here's what I want. Here's what I'd like to see. I see you already have it. Let me learn from you. Mm-hmm. So the the ego's kind of gone away. So there's not as many much ego anymore right. as there used to be in the past. We have Brian Vitagliano from uh, Independent Strategics, uh, Strategic Business Brokers Group. It's a mouthful, isn't it? Yes. Yep. <laughs> and Bo Varga from uh, Tucson. What's your company's name again, Tucson Bo? Business Investments. There you go. Just testing. He's wide awake, truly. Yeah. Um, let me ask you both this question now. Do you ever get involved with the marketing of the businesses or the suggestions for day-to-day running, or are you strictly on the outer when it, when it comes to that type of thing for businesses? It depends. I think uh, one thing that uh, most buyers are looking for is a business that can still be grown. Uh, they don't want something that, were, you know, the sales are completely tapped out. So right. a lot of that is we'll ask the, you know, the seller, what would you do if you were, you know, 30 years old and had all the energy in the world and didn't already own this business for 20 years? What would you do to, to grow it? You know, what are some growth areas you'd look into? Because that's part of the, uh, you know, uh, pitch of the business is, look, this business is doing great. It's making this much, but it has the potential to make this much more. And here's some, you know, avenues that you can you can, you know, immediately, you know, go after to, to increase right. the business. Okay. Right. Well, when you've, you know, you've both been in the game a long time, you've seen all sorts of businesses, variations, uh, before they were painted up and cleaned, after they've been painted up and cleaned, God knows what, right? 
um, you'd have some ideas, naturally, because you've automatically been trained on the job, right? You take Bob here as an example. I mean, he's vice president of uh, social networking. So he has all these realtors. I mean, there's 5,000 of them in southern Arizona. It seems that every one of them comes through Stuart Title here because of the training. But, Bob, I mean, you're forever on their back about social networking, how important the follow-up is, the consistency of what they do. It's not just sit back and wait for the phone call, is it? It always gets me right off the bat is when somebody comes in, I ask them themselves, how are you going to market? How are you going to market yourself? We were, we had um, a rib place that was here in town that you and I had a, a show with, and the first thing I asked them is, how are you marketing? And as he went to his marketing plan, it makes a lot more sense to me, especially knowing that Tucson's growing. So things mm -hmm. comes out buying a business. Why are you selling it? Is it uh, the roads right. going to be built? Is it that you think it's going to take away from your business? How are you going to market around that if you were staying here? Those are questions that I would want to know that I'm so interested in asking you guys. Do you see that a lot? For example, Grant Road's going to be changing around. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of changes. Do you see a lot of people saying, I'm looking to sell? Or I'm looking to move somewhere else. What do you? What do I do? Yeah, if there if there is a situation like that, which I'm sure Brian does the same thing, it's uh, there's something that we know is going to be, or the owner knows is going to be detrimental to the business going forward. They have to disclose that. It's, okay. An, an example we use oftentimes is is the road in front of the you know business going to be cut off or something like that. Yeah, so, right. Uh, and sometimes that will cause somebody to want to sell, but it's something that we have to be really uh, you know, aware of and make sure that the buyer's aware of it well before, you know, they get too far into the process. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's nothing, there's no secrets. We have to, you know, uh, you know, uh, represent our clients. You know, we only work for the seller or buyer side individually on right. the transaction. So we don't represent both sides, but you still have to be honest, you know, with the, with the other side and make sure you've disclosed everything that's, that's important like that. Yeah. That's all your due diligence. I mean, you're, you're, you know, all your training and your, and your exams and the money spent and the time and the effort, um, you know, sometimes people underestimate what you've put into your careers Oh, sure. And what you do to earn a buck. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, so due diligence is critical, even though the buy. And that's why I want to ask you this next question. We've seen with modernization, roads changing, this and that, you look at a strip mall or you look at a particular group of shops, you think, oh, my God, how are they doing any business? The road's all chopped up in front of them. No one can park. And it's really, really bad. What happens in a situation like that? read the council or anything. Do you, do you want, you know, I mean, do they compensate at all, these poor business guys and women who, who have lost business because of that? Or does... No. You know? I mean, <laughs> no, unfortunately, okay. no, they don't. That, if, that, that if, you know of, okay. Yeah, if, they're in a, if they're in a good situation and the mm -hmm. landlord of that strip mall is, is reasonable, then they can give them some concessions and some okay. abatement for that. Some rent okay. a little bit and that yep. sort of thing. But, you know, we had one example of something that was not a help at all. <clears throat> a couple of years ago on the Grant Road, uh, between uh, whatever it was, Oracle, the, when they actually finished that section of it to Stone, they had a business come in. And one of the things they did to really help that business, which was funny, is they offered them a, a nice free business appraisal from some national firm that came in and was nice enough to tell them their business was worth about five times probably what it was really worth, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which was, you know, not worth the paper it was written on. Right. Uh, so that, that, that's the kind of help that usually they, uh, they offer. You know. I see. This is, sounds like a bit of a fishy hook to me, Bob. You know, hopefully to keep them there. So you know. Yeah, they're saying, hey, stay here, your business is great, and there you go. You know. Now, I'm going to ask you one. Uh, uh, this will teach you due diligence for you. Because now, Bob, you've been here most of your life. Um, you've been here quite a few years now, Brian. But we have a situation, don't we, in the summer months where a lot of restaurants go under. Yes. You one start up in the fall right. and they turn over. You've seen a lot of this, right? right. 
Is it getting better, do you think? Is the future showing this will not always be the case in good old Tucson? Well, I, I think that there's a shift in the attractiveness of what the size of the restaurant. So we've kind of gone away from the 6,000 plus square feet big yep. big buildings. So now it's really attractive between two and even 3,500 square feet manageable. And those are going to those are going to survive. And that would seat about what? How many packs in that, would you think? Gosh, probably 100. Okay, 100, 100 max tables, sort of thing. 150. So what the accent you feel is on more intimate? Well, it's just – it's it's less size. So because obviously the, the greater the space, the higher the rent – you're and right. the more you have to do, the more mm-hmm. food you have to sell to pay the rent, and that just chops away from. What do you do then, Bo, if you've got clients who can't rent their properties now? Well, it, it's a it's a problem, and like you said, uh, rent is always an issue. Whether you know customers are coming in the day, you know, uh, every day or not, the rent is still due at the end of the month, you know, mm-hmm. no matter where it's July or December. Right. So, uh, you know, every year, like you're saying, that seasonality, I think, for something like restaurants, is just. It, I think it's always going to be there. Um, yeah. you know, we get calls every year from restaurants around the university area. Uh, as soon as the students leave, they said, you know, hey, how am I going to make it through the summer? Because they're, they're not, unfortunately. Right. Right. Uh, then, you know, come fall, they have got new tenants in there. But, um, you know, it's something that they really kind of have a plan to stick through, you know, those summer months. That are what do they do? Mean. What you must know. What do they do? It'd be a hell of a decision to make. It'd be scary. Oh yeah, they've they've got a you know for university area for one thing they got to you know market more towards just the the regular uh, you know uh, townies as you know you'd call us the people that are here all year you know yeah. all year long not mm-hmm. just the students you know that's one thing they can do and just try to do anything to drum up business. Um, yeah, put away know. for a rainy day also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put away for a rainy day. If you can get your landlord to give you a concession of mm-hmm. you know maybe the rent is fifty percent you know during the summer months you catch up to it. During the busy months. So that sort of negotiation does go on then? Yeah, sure. Between landlords and things. But if I was a landlord there, Bob, I I think it's a smart move. You want to keep that guy? You want to keep me going for the next three years maybe? I believe that it's starting starting to liquidate down where they're actually doing that more often. Really? We opened up 48 restaurants in 2018, 56 so far this year. And I think there's one or two that may still open before the end of the year Mm -hmm. here. So we're seeing it grow. Well, we are expanding. We are building out into outer areas. But what else other than restaurants? Well, we're seeing – before we leave the restaurant part, we're seeing less of the franchises coming in and more of the mom and pops. More and local mom and pops, But we're yeah. also seeing a lot more of the um, – we're seeing a lot more uh, industry coming in. So we're seeing industrial coming in. As a matter of fact, we're pretty low. We used to be around 6.2% of um, open space for industrial. We're down to 5.4%. So as one person comes in, a bigger place is being taken over. Okay. We're also knowing that a lot more office space is being opened up and, mm-hmm. and taken over. We've got – we're sitting around 8% vacancy of office space. It would have been a little less than that, but when Geico left where they were at over off of Speedway and moved over here, they left a little office space open. And that mm. one, they're just preparing to get ready to put it back on the market and sell again. And once that happens or lease it out, we'll see that go away. We're also seeing retail with the big box stores going down. So we're seeing the, the um, vacancy going down. The big box stores are closed. When it comes to like the fries over here off of Alvernon and Broadway mm-hmm. or the one off of Safeway, now becoming gyms and fitnesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're seeing a different change. We're seeing a lot more right. people coming in one on one. Things that you can't buy on Amazon, you're seeing start to come up <laughs> and show up here. Speaking of that, I I don't think I'm nuts with this, but you're not gonna tell me that that landlords and developers are going to leave malls empty forever. No, they're not. Why not convert them to apartments, feed the restaurants that are even in there, 
And what was I saw the other night? Don Bourne's doing that with the Foothills Malls. Is, is he? Is he really? Yes, and I saw on the news the other night though. There's a big, huge one somewhere in the states. I just caught the end of it. They've turned the whole darn thing into a playground like Disneyland. You ski in there. You do everything. It's amazing it's to save them all. You know, <laughs> you got that up in Phoenix, yeah. wrong city right now. No, but, but but you know. So really, I'm getting at this. Do you ever speak to Brian Bo? Do you ever speak to guys that are even thinking that way? That maybe I can turn these into apartments. Sure, kind of Amazon-proof the uh, the mm-hmm. business, you know, so that you know, like uh, Bob was saying, it's not something that they can come in and get online. It's more of an experience, you know, uh, exactly. destination as opposed to yes. you know, just retail. They can't just go and buy that widget online from mm-hmm. Amazon for whatever. You know, they've really got to go there to mm-hmm. do something like that. Uh, Penny's location on. Uh, River and Stone, you know, went out, Big Penny's Home Store. Now it's right. a yeah. trampoline, uh, jumping kids, jumping center. But, Great example. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's been something that uh, I don't know if it's a fit for all the malls. Uh, and I think uh, some malls are doing better than others. But mm-hmm. even like a, theaters, you know, are a huge right. draw to malls. They want to keep in there. Yeah, well, yeah, because it is a worry. And I know when we talk about Amazon, we tend to think of the widgets per se. But there's a lot of businesses with e-commerce even service industries that are a hell of a lot online where the bricks and mortar doesn't exist anymore. You'll see a change around the states. When I say around the states, here in Tucson, we get from Mexico alone, 2.6 million comes into Arizona from Mexico on a a yearly basis. We're seeing about 7 million a day coming into Arizona. With that idea in mind, you're seeing a lot of people who are not coming to what they can shop online and get. Half the time, they can't even shop and get it online from there right. over at the right time. It may, they'll get it, but it's going to take a little longer. So they're the ones that we're coming in right now and they're buying. That's why you see a lot more in the mall where people from Mexico are buying, Costco. You mm-hmm. see a lot more from Mexico from buying, even mm-hmm. in, in some of the, the restaurants and hotels. So cater more to that kind of an attitude mm-hmm. bring in the experience while they're here which is exactly what Bo was talking about yep we'll see it it'll keep it'll change too yeah right. so so brian and Bo, for that matter have you both dealt with the uh, big new surge of these breweries you know the bar used to be a bar in my day now it's a brewery okay I mean, have you both been involved with any anything there so just from the – there hasn't actually been a specific brewery, but, yeah, no, just okay. the, the okay. bar and restaurant. But I know that, you know, there is this influx in craft beer yeah. and really kind of that shift. And uh, so just from the standpoint of, mm-hmm. of individuals looking – I recently sold a couple of liquor licenses, and so that's been kind of a, a, a trend in really trying to add it, added service to, to restaurants or even uh, kind of – hookah lounges and, and stuff just uh, are you seeing service. more than just one location that somebody's doing great maybe northwest of phoenix and want to open up somewhere else and, and call you for that they do and they generally call on a listing saying that it's attractive to them and they're looking to expand and what okay. we do proactively is i'll reach out to business owners and ask them if they're in the the business of expanding are you looking to to acquire to move into the tucson space i know you have a, a presence in phoenix tempe mm-hmm. and and go about that because i mean it, it helps me as well because it's an easy call and if they yeah. aren't looking to oftentimes they'll say well you know what i've actually given some thought about selling well i and, guess i guess you're mining aren't you, you? Know? Oh, that's <laughs> always yeah. that's what you're doing you know? um who should the seller seek out do you think in preparation for an exit strategy Business Absolutely. broker. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a, a broker among. Duh. <laughs> I like to think about a kind of coach as a, a team. 
right? And, right. and, and Bo mentioned this uh, at the beginning, but there really is in process of selling. You want to have a good CPA. You want, I mean, if you have somebody that's managing your financials, your investments, because right. you're going to get a lump sum. And what are you going to do with that? In $250,000 or $500,000, depending on where you are in your stage of life, mm-hmm. might not carry you through your retirement. And yeah, what well, you now you is, might have to pay out your equipment that's right. in there. You might have yeah. to, God knows what yeah, else you got. Capital gains on that and what you do with it. So I think involving yourself with a full team of, okay, let me let me get with a business broker, figure out what my business is going to sell for in today's market, and let's get that sold now. What do my books and records look like? If they're already clean, you have a CPA. What is going to be the allocation of the purchase price? How am I going to manage that mm-hmm. in order to manage my tax, the tax implications going forward? And then now that we have this money, what's our plan? And so it doesn't all have to be at once, but involving those mm-hmm. those different groups is okay. really beneficial. So, Bo, what are some of the common misconceptions about calculating the sales price of the business? Well, usually that there's always some one uh, easy, uh, you know, uh, factor that can, you know, uh, determine the business. Everything is uh, three times cash flow or, you know, my uncle's brother's uh, son's, uh, you know, neighbor's friend sold one for four times. And that's like, I'm sure they probably did, but that was, every business is completely different. Right. You know, two restaurants aren't worth the same amount. Two manufacturing companies could be worth completely different values, mm-hmm. even doing the same type of, uh, you know, level of uh, sales. Right, so right. There's a, there's the biggest misconception is that it's, uh, that it's easy. So the one price fits all is wrong, <laughs> yeah. huh? You, you really have to know the market and what's, Things mm-hmm. are selling for, like Brian will say, stuff in Phoenix is different than, than in Tucson. But a generic you know? rule of thumb would give you maybe four to four to one, it, if it came it, up to scratch. Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, I'd say it, it all depends on how much the business is making. If it's something that's not making very much at all, like under 50 grand net, sometimes it's one times. If it's that's something, it. they have something making 500,000, it might be four or five times. Are there uh, many financing options out there for your clients? There, there are some. We always wish, wish there were more. But, uh, you know, there's always mm-hmm. SBA, different lenders, uh, you know, uh, different banks that want to do that. Um, you know, there's uh, not that I'd recommend it, but there's <laughs> seen some get hard money loans, that sort of thing. But that's uh, that's oh, yeah. dangerous. That's high. Uh, Isn't it high interest? High stuff. interest. And, uh, you know. Yeah. So. And what are some of the typical mistakes that people make when they're selling their business? Be unorganized. Just being, you know, not prepared to sell. Um you know, say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I know I'm doing this. Uh, my tax returns will be ready in, uh, you know, three months or something. Mm-hmm. Well, the buyer's not going to wait three months. They're going to move on and buy something where the guy's ready to sell and he's right. organized. So he may see something else that just uh, talks his cork sort of thing and yeah. you left it out. Right. Um, let's talk about your website, please, if you would, uh, Brian. Uh, businessbrokerphoenixaz.com. Okay, now we don't want this to be a throw-off from Tucson, but that's the corporate website. No, so that is that my specific website for okay. restaurants and bars in that area. And so, yeah, our uh, we have the uh, other website is uh, Strategic Business Brokers Group uh, in Tucson. Yeah, so I'll be able to get that to you. Okay. That website, but right. so, well, we'll get that up on site because absolutely. this stays uh, on our site uh, on the network throughout the states and uh, and uh, of course our global imprint um, on the different platforms that we do go on, but. Um, your photos will be up there and of course the writing and publishing will be there for good so we'll make sure we get the right addresses up for people to contact you you never know where they're coming from trust me Uh, Instagram is there of course and you've got your Twitter but LinkedIn.com I would think LinkedIn would be good for you would it? Many leads come off LinkedIn? Uh, not, as m- yeah. not as much? Yeah. Not as much? Not, uh, not as many from sellers. It's more of other lenders. Yeah, other lenders yeah. and yeah. business oh, Right, okay. Same thing. Business coaches. And yeah, that's interesting. And Bo, you too, same thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we don't get as many 
quality leads probably of LinkedIn right. as opposed to just people fishing for not fishing, but just in other industries that want right. You know, yeah, it's, well, yeah. it's competitive totally. businesses, yeah. you know. Uh, Tucson Business Investments, they've had a 37-year history of successfully representing both buyers and sellers of Tucson businesses. So if you are interested in purchasing or selling a business, what do you recommend? www.tucsonbusiness.com? Yeah, it's a pretty tough e- email or a website to remember. <laughs> Tucsonbusiness.com. <laughs> Good deal. That's simple. Good. 750 Please give us a call. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'd be happy to meet with you. Uh, sit down. There's no charge uh, for consultation. Sit down, talk to one of our licensed agents, and you know, let us uh, let us help you. I'm going to ask you one last question each, and I want you to think about it, both Brian and Bo, before I come back to you. Uh, Bob, uh, got a joke? <laughs> <laughs> no, my question is this: Nothing If clean. you had it all over again, because you've both very both highly educated fellows and have done a lot in your lives, in your working career lives, you can be in on this one, Bob. But, Brian, I'm going to ask you firstly, if there was ever a time when you look back and you were at the fork of the road, would you do anything else? Is this the career that you were supposed to do? This is. Yeah. You know that in your heart. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And I had the the road behind me to prove it. And so, you know, I I believe that just the background of owning a business, being involved in different industry, and uh, has really led me to here. And I always believe that if you learn the process and can do something very well and you can continue to learn in that industry so being a business broker the processes and how you treat people and how you move through transactions and and the relationships built can constantly evolve and get better and but i get to meet different people different backgrounds different businesses so you enjoy that that's the buzz for you every day every day is different but it's the same because our process and how we treat people is the same going forward well that makes sense that makes sense that's why you love it and what you do because uh, i meet a lot of business people in what i do and i can tell you there's a lot of people that would love to get out of what they're doing tomorrow if they could Bo, what about you when you look back yeah i agree it's uh, i really like what uh, what i do um, like Brian was saying, it's, there's some things that are similar to every deal, but every deal is different. Uh, every business is different. Uh, every buyer and seller, the transaction, the motivation, uh, you know, things surrounding it. Uh, every deal is very different. Some are desperate to get out. Some are just looking very strategically to, you know, for you know, financial planning. So it's a, it's a fun business. You got to know everything from restaurants to uh, manufacturing pallets to. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, distributing, uh, you know, toiletries to every everything you can think of. You know, it's yeah, learn, exceptionally diverse, isn't it? Yes, very much. You wouldn't get time to be bored, I don't think. No. You're forever learning those industries. You're always learning more and more about different industries. You know, the whole business, yeah. And, and Bob, when you look back with you, I know you love what you do, but, I mean, uh, I haven't asked you this in a long time. I mean, have you thought about it since? I mean, would you still be riding bulls, mate? You know, yeah, I'd still be riding bulls. <laughs> But even even the best, of even the, with broken necks and backs, like even, even the best of the rodeo, they you have to have something else. So yeah, inventing doors and opening doors and creating success for people. I really love this part of the job. So that's excellent. I'll stick with the that. one thing that we never touched on. You know, Brian and Bo, um, the money, the money side of it for your world. People know they pay a commission to realtors. They know they pay in lots of industries. There's a commission paid, as with finance and all sorts of things. How does it work in your world? Um, is it based on a percentage of the business you sell for, or do you negotiate certain terms? How does it work? Right. The short answer is it's a, a, a settled fee, whether it's a percentage or a flat fee. Yeah. Okay. That's that's paid at the close, and and there's no 
there's no one range or one amount, right? As as far as that goes, it's just a, a negotiated uh, amount that's that's paid after the close of the sale. No, it's pretty simple, isn't yeah. it? And, and no doubt the same for you, Bo? Yeah, yeah. We get uh, we get paid when we sell. You know, that when, mm-hmm. when our clients get paid, uh, that's when we get paid. Funny about that, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I yeah. get the job done first. Yep. Before I make a quid. Right. Hey? Right. Yeah. Uh, I wish there was a few more that understood that world. No. And that's <laughs> and that's the beauty about what we both do is we open ourselves up to no obligation, no fee. Right. At any point you come and you talk to us, we'll, we'll provide an opinion of value of the business. Yeah. And then moving forward, if it's a time to sell, then absolutely, we'd love to help you do that. If there's something else we can provide for you to retool and sell one, two, three, five years down the line. To get where you need to be, I'd be happy, happy to do that as well. Oh, well, I've learned a lot today. Brian Vitagliano is uh, a business broker and a hell of a good one, I imagine, with the Business Brokers Group. That's the Strategic Business Brokers Group. And uh, you can get Brian at Brian at strategicbusinessgroup.com. Anyway, it'll be on the site on Tucson Business Radio X site. It'll be up there within the next 24, 48 hours, so you'll be able to get everything you want. Um, Bo Barger, business broker, vice president of Tucson Business Investments. Thank you, Bo. I've learned a lot today. I appreciate it. It was enjoyable. And, of course, uh, Bob Ditko uh, here from Stewart Title, uh, the wonderful company. They're based – well, corporate offices are here, but how many branch offices have you got now all over the place? We've got six in Tucson. Six in Tucson alone, huh? Uh -huh. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, very big, big company. And uh, he's vice president of social media, marketing, and education liaison. Yes. You haven't got a new stripe or anything since no. we No, <laughs> no. That's, that's they, enough to keep you busy. They don't want to print new cards, so I said just leave it. There you go. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Bob. pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>